Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today we're going to talk about what saving America means, Islamization in America, the Flynn lawyers firebomb filing, and last, the LGBTQ assault on America. And finally, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. On this show, America Can We Talk, I frequently make the point that I do this show in order to stand up for the unique, extraordinary greatness of America. And occasionally, I want to spend a little longer talking about what I mean by that. And I want to do it today because it's my first day back after a bit of a vacation in California uh, in August. And I'm back and hitting the ground running. You know, it's kind of back to school, uh, back to life uh, starting today. And I want to just spend a minute talking about what I mean by the idea of speaking up for and defending the idea of America. Most young people in this country have lived their lives in the most secure, stable, prosperous, safe, just precious country in the world. They have no idea what life can be like in other countries. They have no idea what life in America would be like if we abandoned some of the building block ideas of America. But those very building blocks of ideas, those building blocks that made America, that created America, are under rapid fire assault from the American left on many, many fronts. And that's what I try to focus on in this show. It's not just the issue of the day, the moment, the, the top issue of the day, or the, you know, the latest uh, controversy, it's the larger picture of what do patriots do in this time, in this generation, to fight to preserve America from the assault of the American left. When I say assault of the American left, I will start with, I'll just give you a few examples. We have actual serious candidates for presidency of the United States of America who are socialists, collectivists, communists. Do not dupe yourself that those are they're very, very different terms. Yes, you can get down in the weeds and refine them and find distinctions. These people are about government-controlled society. They are about taking away the freedom of the individual in this country to live his or her life in freedom. That's what socialism does. That's what collectivism is. That's what ends up being communism because most people will fight back when they realize how much the government is trying to take away their freedom. Yet this is a popular, trendy idea in this country embraced by young people who have no clue what they are supporting. It is incumbent on on informed patriots to speak up and point it out over and over and over and over and over. We have another fundamental threat to America's future of freedom, and that is Islamization of America. The for the conquest ideology of Islam being forced on America in sometimes very overt ways, very open ways, and sometimes surreptitiously. We're going to talk about that and how this conquest ideology of Islam has been part of Islam since the time of its founding by Muhammad and has been carried out by Islamists in this world since the time of the founding of Islam. And it's happening in today, today in America. Too many people sleep at the wheel about that. I also want to talk about the growing trendiness of tribalism. And I talk about that over and over on this show, but it's another primary
primary assault on the fundamental building blocks of freedom in America. Tribalism, the idea that Americans are being encouraged by the American left, by the New York Times, by their 1619 insidious project, by the, the effort to bring about reparations. This is an idea trying to plant in the American the citizen's mind that your highest identity, who you are, is your skin color, which you had nothing to do with. You didn't choose. You just, that's that's the package you came in. But somehow these people who are literally trying to destroy the culture and fabric of America want to plant tribalism. It is, is a regression. is going backwards. It is, is moving away from the greatness and the uniqueness of America. The idea that we were not formed based on some race, ethnicity, or national national origin, but founded on ideas that equally bless every person fortunate enough to live under them. Tribalism is a horribly destructive idea in this country, very trendy. Another is the idea, the actual idea of ending sovereignty, the idea that in America, we have a country that is ruled by our laws, our policies, our governance, and those came from the ideas in the Declaration of Independence and the ideas in the Constitution. Those documents and the underlying ideas literally created America. And we have sovereignty is just the idea that your government has control of your space of land on the earth. The country of Greece has sovereignty over the, over the Greek and the Greek islands. The country of Italy, sovereignty over Italy. And in America, our government is supposed to have sovereignty over the United States of America. Many on the American left happily would abandon our border truly, literally don't want a border, want to let anyone come in who wants to come in and give them a path, an almost immediate path to citizenship. This is an abandonment of our sovereignty. It is taunted. The American left taunts the idea of wanting border security, wanting sovereignty as racist, which is a ludicrous and absurd accusation. But yet there we are. Here we are in 2019, presidential candidates and the Democrat side completely disinterested in whether America even has a border. Final example I'll hit of these fundamental building blocks of America under assault from the left is the rule of law. We have in this country the precious idea that we're all equal under the law, under the eyes of the law, that the same laws apply to everyone. There's no special category of people who don't have to follow the laws. That is what America is supposed to be. And what we have instead right now is people on the American left very willing to look the other way when, for example, Hillary Clinton, you know, the, the rock star Democrat presidential candidate who lost, clearly having violated federal law, serious federal law violations, yet nothing happens to her. We had an entire witch hunt under the Mueller investigation into the non-existent Trump-Russia collusion, and we're having a hard time getting to the idea of who it is could be prosecuted. And we're watching the prosecution and almost we're getting close to the sentencing of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who fortunately for him has retained one of America's top attorneys, Sidney Powell. We'll talk about that today. And closing out in the first five, I want to say this. Over this break, I had a young person, a liberal young person, say to me, you know, people should stop talking about the idea that some policies, some political ideas, some political ideologies are un-American. That's not a good thing to say. We should just stick to talking about policies. You know, policy X versus policy Y. Idea X versus idea Y. And don't use the idea of America. That is wrong.
America has a unique, extraordinary identity as the leader of the world in freedom, the leader of the world in freedom. People who never had freedom, who, who can see the freedom uh, in their days coming ahead, coming to an end, such as the protesters in Hong Kong, they get it. They get how great America is. It is really important for Americans who understand America's greatness and uniqueness to speak in terms of ideas being un-American. Tribalism, Islamization, socialism, many other ideas are simply un-American, and it's okay to call them that. We'll wrap up this first five by asking Matt, the wonderful producer, if he would please play the little clip we have of the Hong Kong protesters. These are not Americans. These are people in Hong Kong recognizing they're about to lose their freedom because China's chomping, uh, clamping down on them. Let's, let's hear what they decided to do in their protest. And Christ us through the perilous fight All the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming And the rockets red glare The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the night And a flag Okay, folks, these protesters in Hong Kong recognizing China is going to eventually, or so they hope, take back control of Hong Kong under the agreement that was made, and China's already cracking down on freedom in Hong Kong. These people, halfway around the world, understand and value freedom more than Americans in our country today. This is an outrage. This is dangerous. And the only way to fix it is for people who know and love this country to speak up more firmly, more readily, more consistently, and more passionately about the goodness and greatness of America. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. The next story I wanted to hit uh, today has to do with the Islamization of America. And I want, again, we've talked about this on the show many times, but when I say Islamization of America, I am talking about the ongoing push since the time of the founding of Islam, written into the founding documents of Islam, the idea that it is incumbent on devout Muslims to push Islam onto other people. It accounts for the 1,400-year conquest of Islam since the time of its founding up until today. Islam itself has been a conquest ideology. It is written into the core of Islam. It is the duty of devout Muslims to kill or convert infidels. Some people get a little bit of a break from that. You kill, convert, or agree to live in submission to Islam. This is part, this is the core of Islam. This does not mean that every Muslim in this world engages in that conduct. It does not mean that. It means that this is what Islam itself teaches. Core to Islam is the idea of jihad, the holy war, forcing Islam on other people. It is also a core concept of Islam, Sharia, the idea that Islamic law, Sharia, must ultimately replace all other systems of law in this world, ultimately under the, when the conquest of, of Islam is complete, under the caliphate that is intended by the founders of Islam to take over the world. So all of us will be under a caliphate governed by Sharia, the most grotesque, barbaric, harsh, unforgiving, impossible to imagine for Americans system of law. Now that you're, and I don't mean every Muslim, I mean what Islam teaches. Now here's what I say about Islamization of America. There is a group, the Thomas More uh, Law Center, they are based in Michigan. 
Thomas Moore Law Center, based in Michigan, did a Freedom of Information Act request in order to get the documents relating to a two-day mandatory teacher training seminar for public school teachers in Michigan. Here are the words, mandatory teacher training seminar on Islam, two days, and this was for the teachers in a, an area called Novi, N-O-V-I, Novi Community Schools. So they, the Thomas More Law Center got to wondering, what, what, are they, what is this two-day course on Islam? Let me tell you what these public school teachers were forced to attend before they started going back to their classes this fall. The, uh, by the way, the teacher who taught this, the um, hired Muslim consultant Huda Essa, she, at this one particular seminar, she taught more than 400 teachers. She provided no information on Sharia, which is the primary mission of Islam to impose Islamic law, which covers every conceivable aspect of human existence. No description of Sharia. The only discussion of jihad was the idea that in your personal struggle to be a better person, you know, you're going to just like Christians or other people of faith may say I'm struggling to overcome some, you know, sin or confusion on my part. So we have we have her teaching nothing about Sharia, a, a distorted uh, lie about what jihad really is. She went on and on talking about America, our country, America, being guilty of cultural genocide. Said nothing about the 1,400 years of Islamic conquest all over the world. If you don't know that, there are many books out in the subject you can read about yourself. Islam is a conquest ideology from its founding. This is taught to the public school teachers. No, by the way, no similar course, no two-day mandatory course teaching public school teachers about Christianity or Judaism or any other religion. Only Islam got somehow this school district to force public school teachers to go for Islamic indoctrination for two days. She, this teacher, attacked America as guilty of cultural genocide, said nothing about what Muslims have done in taking over entire Jewish tribes in the Arabian Peninsula, slaughtering millions of Christians throughout the Middle East, North Africa, European continent. This also, this idea of this uh, infiltration um, is not just limited to Michigan. This uh, alleged teacher, Essa, um, doesn't matter what her name was, Essa went on to list on her website all the places she has also spread this trash America first, America's a bad place, ideology to public school teachers, including Michigan, California, Georgia, Texas, Florida. She has 19, uh, nine school districts in Michigan alone where she's been doing this seminar. People, just imagine if Christians in America said, we'd like to go over to Saudi Arabia and require Saudi Arabian public school teachers to listen to a two-day indoctrination about the greatness and superiority of Christianity. The Saudi Arabians would laugh in our face, if not worse. Somehow in America, we've had our guard down, so this was an okay thing to be happening in, in the state of Michigan. And by the way, the report on this, if you want to read this, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. Right there on the website, we lay out that you can read what this, this horrific teaching was, mandatory to public school teachers. Last fact on this point is, not one of the 400 teachers who attended this even registered a complaint saying, hey, 
how come we're getting Islamic indoctrination here? Why, why are we being told that, you know, Islam, oh, is the one true religion. That was the one, is the one true religion. The only religion that really only has one God. I mean, just it was, it was Islamic doctrine, indoctrination right before the school year starts in Michigan, in America. A similar story about the Islamization of America, the organization CARE, C-A-I-R, Council on American Islamic Relations, which is, if you listen to our show, you know, CARE is Hamas. It is a subset of the the Islamic terror group Hamas. Get that clear. CARE is Hamas. CARE had managed... And care, so CARE supports the Islamic domination mission of Hamas. CARE had managed to get itself a partnership with the Commerce Department in helping them roll out the 2020 census. What could go wrong with having CARE, an Islamic aggressive organization, a, a subset of Hamas, CARE is Hamas, being part of the effort to gather data in America for the 2020 census. Fortunately for all of us, the very fabulous investigative project on terrorism, uh, headed up by Steve Emerson, went to went, had a field day, went to town, reported to, to the Commerce Department, reported in Washington, made a big noise about the fact that CARE is Hamas. You're letting Islamic terrorists be part of the, the U.S. government in the Commerce Department working on the on the census and actually after Steve Emerson made his point so eloquently firmly and irrefutably Commerce Department thankfully issued a statement saying on second thought we're not going to partner with care this is this is the kind of tenacity the kind of thick skin needed the type of bravery needed in this culture to stand up against the crushing of our American culture. Islamic culture, let me just make very clear, Sharia, which is Islamic law, is intended by foundational Islamic documents from the Quran to the Hadith, the Sunnah, intended to replace all law. So you wouldn't have the Constitution, constitutional rights, the Bill of Rights, none of those could exist if Sharia became law in America. Jihad, this spiritual warfare to conquer the rest of the world with Islam, this is intended by Islam's founding to control America and and the world. So the idea that we were going to let people affiliated with an Islamic terror group, Hamas, become part of our effort to create the 2020 census is beyond outrageous, but it happens because we in America had our guard down. We don't really think America could ever change. Back to the ignorance of the millennials who think that socialism is a really swell idea and it just means about sharing, about fairness. It, and, and you, I believe, know if you listen to my show, socialism is about the destruction of personal freedom. It is about collectivism. It is about government-controlled society. It is about government-controlled culture and industry and business. That's what it's about. But young people don't know that. In the same way, in America, too many of us are so smitten with or blinded by or just euphorically happy living in a free country, we cannot even contemplate that someone will be in our, in our midst, in our presence, trying to destroy America's greatness. But they are. That's what Islamization is, is the destruction of America's greatness through the, con- the conquering ideology of Islam brought to America to destroy America's freedom. Thank goodness for Steve Emerson and his investigative project on terrorists and many others spoke up. 
up Center for Security Policy. You spoke of others did saying, hey, 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 you, you can't do this in America. You, you cannot be part of our census gathering data when you, you yourself are you are affiliated with Islamic terror, with the conquest ideology of Islam. This idea, folks, that it is time in this country, time for thinkers. It's time for serious serious people, serious thinkers, people willing to stand up for this country and, and take the slings and arrows. I got to tell you, Steve Emerson, anybody else who stands up against care gets pilloried by the left-wing media, gets pilloried by the Southern, the deeply disgraced Southern Poverty Law Center, gets pilloried by the New York Times, the Washington Post. Anyone who stands up for America's greatness is mocked by the left as ignorant, old school, not with it, intellectually vapid, weak, all those things happen, and worse, there are haters and bigots. All those things happen, name calling happens against the people who dare to stand up for America. But I'm telling you folks, our country is only as strong as our ability to stand up for the, fundament, the fundamental founding building blocks of America, to stand up for the ideas of America, to fight for them, to speak for them, to recognize when they're under threat. This is what was happening it, with CARE being part of the census. It's also what's been happening in the uh, public schools in Michigan and other places, including Texas, where we're asleep at the wheel, not recognizing Islamic indoctrinations happening in our schools to our teachers who then, of course, turn around and teach it to our precious children. And the next thing I want to hit today, topic for today, you may have known, we, we've talked about in the show before, uh, Sidney Powell. She's a U.S. attorney, a former U.S. attorney. She's the author of License to Lie. She's a fabulous uh, prosecutor, former U.S. prosecutor. She is now the attorney for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He is the one caught up very early on in the Mueller investigation and the whole effort to try to bring down President Trump. This whole coup attempt frame up cooked up with inside the FBI and Department of Justice aimed against President Trump, aimed to try to bring him down. Uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was one of the early victims of this Mueller witch hunt, and he ended up pleading guilty for a whole bunch of reasons we can't go into today, but he pled guilty essentially because he was arm-twisted and, frankly, drained of his uh, financial resources. He ended up really in a terrible position, where, and, and the guy, this is like a, this is truly a, whatever he is, three or four-star general. This is a guy who's actually an American hero who, while we're all sitting at home being comfortable and showing up at college campuses doing idiotic protests, he's out there across the world defending America. That guy is one Mueller went after. And so he does not yet have, he has been cooperating with the Mueller team. Now he's not. He has Sidney Powell as his attorney. And what I want to get around telling you was Sidney Powell, Michael, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's attorney, filed what I labeled a firebomb filing this past Friday. I want to share with you a tiny clip. She, Sydney Powell, was interviewed. Um, uh, it was, it was uh, actually Greg Jarrett interviewed her on Neil Cavuto's show. But here, I want to play her clip, and then we can talk about it. Are you considering withdrawing the guilty plea? Uh, that is not what I want to see happen here. I'm expecting, frankly, that we find evidence that warrants dismissal of the case for egregious government misconduct. Uh, but like I said, I want to know the truth. That's what I want to know first. And I can't even evaluate the validity of the plea until I have all the evidence. Okay. We've had her on the show many times, and I, I'm sure we'll have her on again. She lives in Dallas. In fact, I want to mention to you, if you're watching this show for the first time, if you go to our YouTube page, America Can We Talk, or you go to my website, 
AmericaCanWeTalk.org, or if you're right here on Facebook, wherever you are watching, you can go to an interview I did with Sidney Powell um, several months ago. It was here in Dallas. It was a program for a big audience, but you know, I got to be on stage asking her questions. The reason you might want to listen to it, it's a really good background to all of what the Mueller witch hunt was, what it did, what it was intended to do, you know, what, where, where they were headed until you know, they, they finally got stopped. Uh, and we're going to see what, if we turn out having Attorney, uh, Attorney General Barr be able to actually prosecute some of these wrongdoers for what they just entire coup frame-up attempt against President Trump. But on this subject of what Sidney Powell filed on Friday on behalf of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, she she filed a, it's called a motion to compel. And that's just, you know, I'm a lawyer by background, and so I filed those too. You can basically file them saying, you know, I, I asked a judge, you asked a judge to compel the other party to produce material that they should have produced you, but they did not. So she filed a motion to compel, and what she's talking about is Brady evidence. There's a law, there's a, a long-standing rule in criminal prosecution that if you're the prosecutor and you have any evidence whatsoever that the defendant, that would help the defendant, help the person being accused, so you're the prosecutor, you have evidence, might help the one you're accusing, that you must, must turn it over to the defense attorneys. It is a law like gravity. Okay, maybe not like gravity, but it's a, it's a must do. It's a Brady rule. And the Brady rule violations are very, very serious. Prosecutors can be punished by the bar, even disbarred over failing to follow the Brady rule. Because the whole point of prosecution is not to make sure you lock up the person you're accusing. It is making sure the systems of our, in our rule of law in this country were followed and that the person who's being accused that you may send off to jail had every opportunity to defend himself. One point Sidney Powell makes is that the prosecutors, they don't get to decide what might be exculpatory. That's exculpatory is just evidence that might help you get off. They don't get to decide what's exculpatory because they, the prosecutors, don't have any idea what you, the defense attorney, might be thinking of as a potential defense. They don't know what you might be thinking of as an argument to make, a different way to look at evidence. So they don't get to say, well, we didn't think you really needed that, so you can't have it. They have to turn over evidence that may be exculpatory, may help the defendant in his defense. So with Sidney Powell, this firebomb thing on Friday, and she's in, in front of Judge Emmett Sullivan. It's a whole other story. That is a, a, an attorney, a, a judge, who was actually part of a previous case in which, uh, which we also had Sidney Powell involved back in the days of the Enron prosecution. Emmett Sullivan is not a timid man. He stands up for what's right. So back to this uh, case. So she's in front of Judge Sullivan. Uh, right now, where they are is actually they're ready for sentencing. The prosecutors have announced that uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is no longer cooperating with them, so therefore they want to move the sentencing phase. Sidney Powell is saying, uh-uh, no, we're not going to sentencing yet. She said the case is not ready for sentencing because she still needs a significant amount of time to review the mountainous file, but she also said there are serious issues to be addressed by the court before we can proceed. The government continues to deny our request for security clearances. They can say to her, well, we, we Sidney Powell, we the prosecutors can't give you that because you don't have security clearance. Sorry. She's his attorney. She's supposed to give him the best defense possible, and she needs a security clearance to see some of it. That's not her problem. If they won't give it to her, 
They're not following Brady, and that's really a, a problem for not just the court, but also the prosecutors have to decide, is the case important enough to give her that clearance? She actually argued that we've reached an impasse requiring court intervention. I want to hit, she had a motion to compel, and she actually said she accused the prosecutors, in this case, the Mueller prosecutors, of, uh, she said the case is ripe for a finding, ripe, you know, ready for a finding of contempt of the court's standing order. She asked the judge to find the Mueller prosecutors in contempt of court. These are very, very serious allegations. I got to tell you, folks, um, Sidney Powell is a force to be reckoned with. She is brilliant. She is brave. Even what she wrote in her book, License to Lie, she wrote things when I was reading, I mean, you should read it. It reads, I mean, you would think it might be like a novel because it's so amazing what happened in the in the Enron case and other cases uh, where, where, you know, Senator Ted Stevens case, other cases like that. You have her willing to name names, call out wrongdoing. She pointed out as an example that Andrew Weissman, a serious player in the prosecution, the Enron case, was a guy who was cooking up charges, making up crimes that don't exist in federal law, pulling together a piece of this law, a piece of this law, a piece of this law. Okay, you did this, and this constitutes a violation of law. Sidney Powell points out in her book, you can't do that. You can't make up stuff about what constitutes a crime. Those particular allegations about Weissman went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled 9-0, ruled in favor of, uh, ruled against Weissman in favor of the accused, saying, Weissman, Prosecutor, you cannot make up crimes. That guy Weissman arguably should have been disbarred for just that conduct. And yet, he is a central player in the Mueller investigation. So this is the kind of thing Sidney Powell put in her book. She laid out the facts. So where we are now, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Many of you know this was a just a, one of those Mueller perjury trap setups they did. Another huge factor, which is just mind-blowing in this case, when Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was questioned, he's still working for Trump. He's questioned. He is asked questions by the FBI lawyers, including Peter Strzok and some other guy. Those two people went back to their offices and wrote up their summary of their interview with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Their 302s, or 303s, whatever they're called, 302s, I think. They wrote them up and said, Flat out, we completely believe him. We saw no signs he was lying. We saw no signs of anything amiss in anything he said. They completely believed him. Yet later what he was prosecuted for was lying to the FBI. This is one of those perjury set up things, folks. You just, you can't believe how egregious and, and you know, KGB-like the conduct was of our own government against Lieutenant General Michael Flynn because they simply hated Donald Trump. So here we have Sidney Powell. I don't know how this, I think the hearing is, the ruling on the hearing is September 10th. There's a hearing date set very soon. Uh, but this is a huge allegation by Sidney Powell that the government hid evidence, exculpatory evidence, in violation of the Brady rule. She's asking for, as you heard her say in the little clip, she wants dismissal of the whole dang case. She's saying you have this level of prosecutorial misconduct. And, and you have to have more of a punishment than says, okay, okay, Sidney Powell, you can have 30 more days to read the evidence. Okay, government, you can turn over the evidence. This is, a, this is a, the beginnings of cracking open, I hope, 
the beginnings of cracking open the egregious wrongdoing inside the Department of Justice and the FBI, all wrapped up in the Mueller witch hunt to try to get Trump for the Russia collusion that never happened. This is a, we are going to watch this. I'm, in fact, I was connecting with Sydney yesterday. Um, I, we're going to watch this very closely and report back. But the idea of fighting fire, of being as firm, outspoken, unrelenting, this is the kind of fight that's needed in America today. Because this doesn't go to just whether Flynn gets off or Flynn gets, has to plead guilty or his guilty plea gets removed or he has to go to jail or not. It has to do with the question, do we have a rule of law in America? Or when you have the Department of Justice that has gone on a witch hunt against a political opponent named Donald Trump, just all law gets set aside because the DOJ wants to be sure to get somebody because they want to get Trump. It's a rule of law. You know, talk about a fundamental building block of America. The idea of rule of law, you either have it or you don't. If you don't, we're in terrible, terrible shape. One last topic I want to hit on today, the LGBTQ assault on America. Folks, I have to tell you, you know, these are, when I talk about fundamental building blocks of America, some of them are really crystal clear things like rule of law, and you have to have, you know, crimes spelled out ahead of time, you can't charge people with crimes that don't exist. And you have rule of, so rule of law is a huge thing in America, and, you know, freedom of the press and freedom of speech and all these other things. But the LGBTQ agenda is, at its core, at its core, is an attack on the culture and fabric of America. I do not mean every single individual in this country who happens to be engaged in the LGBTQ lifestyle, in their personal life. I do not mean that. I mean the agenda, the political, social agenda of the LGBTQ uh, movement that is pushing to truly destroy the idea of freedom and freedom of religion in America. And let me just, and, and not just freedom of religion, but the first case I want to talk about involves freedom of religion. So there's a case, I believe it was, it's uh, coming up before the Supreme Court. It's going to be in front of the Supreme Court. It's a case involving a funeral home, Harris Funeral Home. This funeral home is so stellar, it actually won awards. Who knew funeral homes uh, had competitions, but they've actually won awards for being a stellar, high-quality funeral home. They've always required their staff to dress appropriately. Men dress in suits and ties, women in skirts, whatever it is. And dress codes are allowed, by the way, by federal law. So Harris Funeral Home has had this dress code for years because as everyone who's listening who's ever been through a family funeral, a funeral where you're really distraught, you just want professionalism around you. You want dignity. Um, this is a, a setting where you want every your client to be extremely comfortable. So Harris Funeral Homes had a policy basically as a dress code. Well, one of their male employees who had been a funeral director for whatever, four years, I think it was, he came to them one day and said, you know, I have decided that I'm transgender and um, I'm really a woman and I want to dress as a woman at work. And they said, sorry, but you're a guy and you need to dress like a guy. I mean, he's a man, he, you know, he's a biologically a man. So he filed a claim against them. So they told him he couldn't come to work dressed as a woman. He filed a claim. Naturally, our extremely biased and off track, you know, federal EEOC office took his side. So as the cases move forward, it is now gonna be before the United States Supreme Court the question of whether or not, and I will explain this, of whether or not Title VII, the federal anti-discrimination law that says you can't discriminate in employment, 
based on race, gender, national origin. So race, sex, national origin is what it says. Race, sex, national origin. So the ACLU naturally took this guy's case, this man's case. He's, he's a man, but he wants to come to work dressed as a woman. And the argument that the ACLU is making to the Supreme Court is that when Congress back in 1964 passed a law saying you can't discriminate based on sex in employment, they really meant gender identity that they really meant that you you can't discriminate against transgenders it's against someone who is male but thinks he's female or wants to be female wants to become female wants to dress as a woman that that was somehow what the court was what the congress was trying to protect against that that's a reasonable interpretation of title 7 can't discriminate based on sex it's a reasonable argument that congress really meant you can't tell someone who's a man you can't come dress uh, as a woman to work, right? Can't come to work dressed as a woman. Now I got to tell you, folks, this happens to be a funeral home employer, so it's got a, an added element, I think, of sensitivity because the funeral home is saying we don't want to have anything about what we present ourselves, anything about who we are, make people uncomfortable. And one of the most distraught you know, d days of their lives, we want just calm and order and normalcy. So that's their argument. They've had a dress code in place. No one argues that dress codes are illegal. They're just saying, and the ACLU is at the point of arguing at the Supreme Court that when Congress said you can't discriminate based on sex, they meant you can't discriminate against transgenders. So I'm going to just tell you, folks, when I was saying the star of this show, the kind of challenges we have facing this country, another big challenge is the completely unserious nature of the American left. Just unserious, ridiculous level arguments that we don't even have common sense anymore. He's a guy. If he wants to work at the funeral home and he's a guy, he has to dress like a guy. When he goes home, he can dress any way he wants after hours, all weekend long, whatever it is, off hours, he can dress how he wants. He's trying to get the Supreme Court to say that because he woke up and decided he's a woman, everybody has to pretend he's a woman. I'm telling you folks, the left is so unserious, cannot deal with facts, cannot deal with truth, cannot deal with reality. They're off in this crazy world where they're focusing on a, a guy dresses a woman and his right to come to work dresses a woman at a funeral home. And then in the similar ones, you'll hear about this whole LGBTQ assault on America. There was an article about this. Uh, in fact, is a, what's her name? Penny Nance, I think it is. She's the head of Concerned Women of America. Talked about taking her son. She wrote about taking her son to uh, college, to Virginia Tech. And, you know, you drop your kids off at college, you probably, many of you have done this, or maybe you yourself remember this, and you're being dropped off, but you know, you have orientation day, you wander around, you get your name tag, it says, you know, um, Susie Q from Idaho, or whatever it says on it. So what Virginia Tech now has is, has the person's name, and beneath it, your preferred pronouns. So that's what you have to put on your ID card. Like I would say, she, her, because I'm a woman, and I want to be referred to as a she and a her. But they're so indulgent in this idiocy of pronouns. When I talk about how unserious the American left is, we're arguing about how some guy has to dress out of, at his job at a funeral home. It's, it's a matter of the Supreme Court's jurisprudence. It's ridiculous. It's equally ridiculous that at college campuses, and, and so we humor whatever it is, 0.03% of people who believe they're transgendered 
and all of us have to put on he, she, him, her, and all sorts of things like that. And and go and and the whole this article about Virginia Tech's orientation went on and on explaining all the different ways in which Virginia Tech was indulging this transgender agenda. And so we fight it in the public schools. We fight it. There's a case uh, going back to the Supreme Court uh, about a woman florist uh, who didn't want to have to do flowers for a same-sex marriage, even though she's happy to provide sell flowers to anybody. But that case has to go back to the Supreme Court. We have a professor who lost his job, lost his job at University of Louisville School of Medicine because he appeared on a panel talking about gender and not simply saluting to the radical left LGBTQ argument about gender and transgenderism. He questioned the transgender gospel. He lost his job. That guy is also suing, we'll be following that case as well. I want to wrap up this segment of the show and turn to my uh, Why It Matters to you by saying that, you know, uh, first of all, I miss talking to all of you. I love doing this show. I love being here every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. I hope you'll tune in. Please share the show with your friends and invite them to watch it, whether Facebook, YouTube, whether if you're listening on an I, uh, whether you're listening to it on any one of the many podcast aggregators, wherever you're listening, share it with your friends. I love this show is to me, it's all about the patriotism of today, standing up for the ideas of America, being willing to say the ideas of America matter. And the ideas of America we talked about today, we cannot have Islamization, Sharia, and jihad legitimized in America, in public schools. We cannot have have the rule of law simply vanquished by the American left because they didn't want President Trump to win and because they want to try to destroy him. We cannot have this LGBTQ agenda destroy societal cultural normalcy. It's okay to say that there are men and there are women and that we can speak about people who are confused, people who wish to, tr- to change genders when they are adults and we, taxpayers don't have to pay for it. We don't have to be taunting, we don't have to be mean, but we've lost the ability to speak truth. And we're, people are afraid to speak truth, they're afraid to be mocked, ridiculed, and some other way punished. It's vital for those of us who see this assault on the goodness and greatness of America to recognize all the issues we talked about and many other issues in the larger context of our right, our responsibility, our precious blessing to be among those who stand up and speak up for the unique, extraordinary idea that is America. Now I want to turn and tell you why these stories we talked about today matter to you. On the Islamization of America, public schools are literally propagandizing for Islam, consequently gradually erasing Christianity. Care is Hamas, yet it is influencing U.S. government policy at high levels. It does other places. It was trying at commerce with the with the um, census and lost out. Islamic doctrine, Sharia, cannot be reconciled with the U.S. Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Sharia replaces all other law. Islam is a conquest ideology. It's just that simple. To defend American liberty from Sharia is not bigoted or hateful. It's protective of the most liberating, empowering culture in human history. Next slide. We have Sidney Powell going bold. Uh, To say the least, she went bold. 
Sidney Powell and Judge Emmett Sullivan have a rich history. Licensed to Lie, uh, it's actually a, it's, it's a stellar book. Prosecutorial Corruption Exposed in Enron and Ted Stevens Cases, Ms. Powell has thrown down the gauntlet of truth regarding the framing hit job against Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. The September 10th hearing will reveal if Judge Sullivan is willing to rise again and enforce the rule of law against a manifestly corrupt Obama Department of Justice and FBI. Sidney Powell is an American heroine, an old school patriot and top lawyer. Justice can only be done based on knowledge of the whole truth, which is what she asked for in that interview overall. I just want the whole truth. The rule of law is at stake if we can't get that. And last is the LGBTQ assault on America and why it matters to you. Our culture, our country, it is predominantly characterized by decency and a live and let live ethos. Unlike some Islamic cultures where LGBTQ individuals are tortured and persecuted, but the militant LGBTQ agenda is not about live and let live. It's about confrontational, confrontational as well as insidious efforts to force America to not only agree morally with their lifestyle, but to undermine and destroy America's freedom, culture, and families. Fighting this agenda requires thick skin and tenacity. Ignoring it is surrender. And believe me, folks, as they say, you will be made to care. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. You can comment here on Facebook. I try to respond to everyone. I try to respond to YouTube comments. I can't respond to all of them, but I love talking with you because really this, the name of my show, I'm so, gra I'm so grateful the name of the show is available for me to use, America Can We Talk. It is vital in this country to talk about the extraordinary greatness of America, to recognize the assaults on that greatness, and to be part of the effort to stand up and speak up to keep America great because America matters. Talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear